Book Five of the Mahabharat, the Epic of Ancient India, condensed into English verse by Ramesh Dutt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Om Wantutri. Book Five, Fatibrita Mahatya, Woman's Love. True to their word, the sons of Pandu went to Draupadi into exile, and passed twelve years in the wilderness. And many were the incidents which checkered their forest life. Krishna who had stood by Yudhishthira in his prosperity, now came to visit him in his adversity. He consoled Draupadi in her distress, and gave good advice to the brothers. Draupadi, with a woman's pride and anger, still thought of her wrongs and insults, and urged Yudhishthira to disregard the conditions of exile and recover his kingdom. Vim too was of the same mind, but Yudhishthira would not be moved from his plighted word. The great Recipias came to visit Yudhishthira, and advised Arjun, great archer as he was, to acquire celestial arms by penance and worship. Arjun followed the advice, met the god Siva in the guise of a hunter, pleased him by his prowess in combat, and obtained his blessings and the Pasupata weapon. Arjun then went to Indra's heaven, and obtained other celestial arms. In the meanwhile, Duryodhan, not content with sending his cousins to exile, wished to humiliate them still more by appearing before them in all his regal power and splendor. Matters, however, turned out differently from what he expected, and he became involved in a quarrel with some Gandharvs, a class of aerial beings. Duryodhan was taken captive by them, and it was the Panda brothers who released him from his captivity, and allowed him to return to his kingdom in peace. This act of generosity rankled in his bosom and deepened his head red. Jadrath, king of Sindhu or Indus country, and a friend and ally of Duryodhan, came to the woods and in the absence of the Panda brothers carried off Draupadi. The Pandavs, however, pursued the king, chastised him for his misconduct, and rescued Draupadi. Still more interesting than these various incidents are the tales and legends with which this book is replete. Great saints came to see Yudhishthira in his exile, and narrated to him legends of ancient times and of former kings. One of these beautiful episodes, the tale of Nal and Damanti, has been translated into graceful English verse by Dean Milman, and is known to many English readers. The legend of Augustia, who drained the ocean dry, of Parasuram, a Brahman who killed the Kshatriyas of the art, of Vagidat, who brought down the Ganges from the skies to the earth, of Manu and the universal deluge, of Vishnu and various other gods, of Rama and his deeds, which formed the subject of the epic Ramayana. These and various other legends have been interwoven, in the account of the forest life of the Pandavs, and make it a veritable storehouse of ancient Hindu tales and traditions. Among these various legends and tales, I have selected one which is singular and striking. The great truth, proclaimed under the thin guise of an Eastern allegory, is that a true woman's love is not conquered by death. The story is known by Hindu women high and low, rich and poor, in all parts of India, and on a certain night in the year, Millions of Hindu women celebrate a rite in honor of the woman whose love was not conquered by death. Legends like these, though they take away from the unity and conciseness of the epic, impart a moral instruction to the millions of India, the value of which cannot be overestimated. The portion translated in this book forms sections 292 and 293, a part of section 294, and sections 295 and 296 of book 3 of the original text. 1. Forest Life In the dark and pathless forest, long the Panda brothers strayed. 
in the bosom of the jungle with the fair drop at his teeth, and they killed the forest red deer, hewed the gnarled forest wood, from the streams he fetched the water, cooked the humble daily food. In the morn she swept the cottage, lit the cheerful fire at eve, but at night in lonesome silence oft her woman's heart would grieve. Insults rankled in her bosom, and her tresses were unbound, so she vowed, till fitting vengeance had the base insulters found. Oft, when evening sage descended, mantling over the wood and lee, when Jopardy by the cottage cooked the food beneath the tree, Rishis came to good Easter, sat beside his evening fires, many olden tales recited, lessons of our ancient sires. Markandeya, holy Rishi, once unto Easter came, when his heart was sorrow-laden with the memories of his shame. Pardon, Rishi, said Yudhishthir, if unbidden tears will start, but the woes of fair Draupadi grieve a banished husband's heart. By her tears the saintly woman broke my bondage worse than death. By my sins she suffers exile and misfortune's freezing breath. Dost thou, sage and saintly Rishi, know of wife or woman born, by such nameless sorrow smitten, by such strange misfortune torn? Hast thou in thy ancient lessons heard of true and faithful wife, with a stronger wife's affection, with a sadder woman's life? Listen, monarch, said the Rishi, to a tale of ancient date, how Savitri loved and suffered, how she strove and conquered fate. 2. The Tale of Savitri In the country of the Madras lived a king in days of old. Faithful to the holy Brahma, pure in heart and righteous souled. He was loved in town and country, in the court and hermit's den, sacrificer to the bright gods, helper to his brother man. But the monarch, Aswapati, son or daughter had he none, old in years and sunk in anguish, and his days were almost done. Vows he took, and holy penance, and with pious rules conformed, Spare in diet as Brahmachari many sacred rites performed. Sang the sacred hymn, Savitri to the gods oblations gave. Through the lifelong day he passed it, uncomplaining, meek and brave. Year by year he gathered virtue, rose in merit and in might, till the goddess of Savitri smiled upon his sacred rite. From the fire upon the altar, which a holy radiance flung, in the form of beauteous maiden, goddess of Savitri sprung. And she spake in gentle accents, blessed the owner good and brave, blessed his rites and holy penance, and a boon unto him gave. Penance and thy sacrifices can the powers immortal move, and the pureness of thy conduct doth thy heart's affection prove. Ask thy boon, King Aswapati, from Crescent's ancient sire, true to virtue's sacred mandate, speak thy inmost heart's desire. For an offspring brave and kingly, so the saintly king replied, Holy rites and sacrifices, and this penance I have tried. If these rites and sacrifices move thy favor and thy grace, grant me offspring, prayer maiden, worthy of my noble race. Have thy object, spake the maiden, Madras pious-hearted king, from Siambu self-created, blessings unto thee I bring. For he lists to mortals' prayer springing from a heart like thine, and he wills a noble daughter grace thy famed and royal line. 
Aswapati, glad and grateful, take the blessing which I bring, part in joy and part in silence, bow unto creation's king. Vanish then the prayer maiden, and the king of noble fame, Aswapati, lord of coursers, to his royal city came. Days of hope and nights of gladness, Madras' happy monarch passed, till his queen of noble offspring, gladsome promise gave at last. As the moon each night increased, chasing dark some nightly gloom, grew the unborn babe in splendor in its happy mother's womb. And in fullness of the season came a girl with lotus eye, father's hope and joy of mother, gift of kindly gods on high. And the king performed its birthrights with a glad and grateful mind, and the people blessed the dear one with their wishes good and kind. As Savitri, prayer maiden, had the beauteous offspring given, Brahmans named the child Savitri, holy gift of bounteous heaven. Grew the child in brighter beauty, like a goddess from above, and each passing season added fresher sweetness, deeper love. Came with youth its lovelier graces, as the bud's dear leaves unfold, slender west and rounded bosom, image as of burnished gold. Devakanya, born a goddess, so they said in all the land, princely sweeter, struck with splendor, ventured not to seek her hand. Once upon a time it happened on a bright and festive day, fresh from bed the beauteous maiden to the altar came to pray, and with cakes and pure libations duly fed the sacred flame, then like three in heavenly radiance to her royal father came. Bowed unto his feet in silence, sacred flowers beside him laid, and her hands she folded meekly, sweetly her obeisance made. With her father's pride, upon her gazed the ruler of the land, but a strain of sadness lingered, for no suitor claimed her hand. Daughter, who is us sopathy, now methinks the time is come, thou shouldst choose a princely suitor, grace a royal husband's home. Choose thyself a noble husband, worthy of thy noble hand. Choose a true and upright monarch, pride and glory of his land. As thou choosest, gentle daughter, in thy loving heart's desire, blessing and his pre-permission will bestow thy happy sire. For our sacred Sastra's sanction, holy Brahmans oft relate, that the duty-loving father sees his girl in wedded state, that the duty-loving husband watches over his consort's ways, that the duty-loving offspring tends his mother's widowed days. Therefore, choose a loving husband, daughter of my house and love, so thy father art no censure, or from man or gods above. Fair Sabitri bowed unto him, and for parting blessings prayed, then she left her father's palace, and in distant regions trade. With her guard and aged courtiers, whom her watchful father sent, mounted on her golden chariot, unto silver woodlands went. Then in pleasant woods and jungle wandered she from day to day, unto ashrams, hermitages, pious-hearted, held her way. Oft she stayed in holy tirthas, washed by sacred limpid streams, Food she gave unto the hungry, wells beyond their fondest dreams. Many days and months are over, and it once did so befall, when the king and Rishi Narad sat within the royal hall. From her journeys near and distant, and from places known to fame, fair Sabetri with the courtiers to her father's palace came, came and saw her royal father, Rishi Narad by his seat, bent her head in salutation 
bowed unto their holy feet. 3. The Fated Bridegroom Whence comes she? So Narod questioned. Whether was Sabitri led? Wherefore to a happy husband had Sabitri not been wed? Nay, to choose her lord and husband, so the virtuous monarch said, Fair Sabitri long hath wandered, and in holy tears her stayed. Maiden, speak unto the rishi, and thy choice and secret tell. Then a blush suffused her forehead, soft and slow her accents fell. Listen, father, Salva's monarch was of old a king of might, righteous-hearted demon Sena, feeble now and void of sight. Foemen robbed him of his kingdom, when in age he lost his sight, and from town and spacious empire was the monarch forced to fly. With his queen and with his infant did the feeble monarch stray, and the jungle was his palace, darksome was his weary way. Holy vows assumed the monarch, and in penance passed his life, in the wild woods nursed his infant, and with wild fruits fed his wife. Years have gone in rigid penance, and that child is now a youth. Him I choose my lord and husband, Saityaban, soul of truth. Thoughtful was the Rishi Narad, doleful were the words he said. Sad disaster waits Savitri, if this ralute she wed. Truthful loving is his father, truthful is the royal dame. Truth and virtue rule his actions, Saityaban is his name. Steeds he loved in days of boyhood, and to paint them was his joy. Hence they called him young Chitraswa, odd-beloving, gallant boy. But, O oh, pious-hearted monarch, fair Sabitri hath in suit, caught at fate and sad disaster, in that noble, gallant youth. Tell me, questioned Aswapati, for I may not guess thy thought, wherefore is my daughter's accent with a sad disaster fraught? Is the youth of noble lusser, gifted in the gifts of art, blessed with wisdom, prowess, passions daring, dauntless in his heart? Surya's lusser in him shineth, so the Rishi Narad said, Brihaspati's wisdom dwelleth in the young Saityavan's head. Like Mahendra in his prowess, and in passions like the art, yet, O king, a sad disaster marks the gentle youth from birth. Tell me, Rishi, then thy reason. So the ancient monarch cried, Why to youth so great and gifted, May this maid be not allied? Ye Satyavan free in bounty, Gentle-hearted, full of grace, Duly versed in sacred knowledge, Fair in mind and fair in face? Free in gifts like Rantideva, So the holy Rishi said, Versed in lore like monarch Sibi, Who all ancient monarchs led. Like Jajati, open-hearted, and like Chandra in his grace, like the handsome heavenly Aswins, fair and radiant in his face. Meek and graced with passion virtue, he controls his noble mind, modest in his kindly actions, true to friends and ever kind. And the hermits of the forest praise him for his righteous truth. Nathless king, thy daughter may not wed this noble-hearted youth. Tell me, Rishi, said the monarch, for thy sense from me is heed. Has this prince some fatal blemish? Wherefore is this match for weed? Fatal fault, exclaimed the Rishi. Fault that wipeth all his grace. Fault that human power nor afford 
right nor penance can efface fatal fault or destined sorrow for it is decreed on high on this day a twelvemonth later this ill-fated prince will die shook the startled king in terror and in fear and trembling cried unto short-lived fated bridegroom never my child shall be alive come savitri dear loved maiden choose another happier lord rishi narad speaketh wisdom list unto his holy word every grace and every virtue is effaced by cruel fate on this day a twelvemonth later leaves this prince his mortal state father answered thus the maiden soft and sad her accents fell i have heard thy honoured mandate holy narad counsels well pardon witless maiden's feelings but beneath the eye of heaven only once a maiden chooses it twice her trot may not be given long his life or be it narrow and his virtues great or none brave satyavan is my husband he my heart and trot hath won what a maiden's heart hath chosen that a maiden's lips confess true to him thy poor savitry goes into the wilderness monarch uttered then the rishi fixed is she in mind and heart from her trot the true savitry never never will depart more than mortal share of virtue unto satyavan is given let the true maid wed her chosen leave the rest to gracious heaven rishi and preceptor holy so the weeping monarch prayed heaven avert all future evils and thy mandate is upheld narad wished them joy and gladness blessed the loving youth and maid forest hermits on their wedding every fervent blessing laid four overtaken by fate twelve months in the darksome forest by her true and chosen lord lived savitry served his parents by her thought and deed and word bark of trees supplied her garments draped upon her bosom fair or the red cloth as in ashrams holy women loved to wear and the aged queen she tended with a fond and filial pride served the old and sightless monarch like a daughter by his side and with love and gentle sweetness pleased her husband and her lord but in secret night and morning pondered still on narad's word nearer came the fatal morning by the holy narad told fair sabitri reckoned daily and her heart was still and cold three short days remaining only and she took a vow severe of three ratra three nights penance holy fasts and vizils drear of savitri's rigid penance heard the king with ansias woe spake to her in loving accents so the vow she might forego heard the penance gentle daughter and thy woman's limbs are frail after three nights fasts and vizels sure thy tender health may fail be not ansias loving father meekly does sabitri prayed penance i have undertaken will unto the gods be made much misdoubting then the monarch gave his sad and slow assent pale with fast and unseen tear-drops lonesome nights sabitri spent nearer came the fatal morning and to-morrow he shall die dark dark hours of nightly silence tearless sleepless is her eye dawns that dread and faded morning said sabitri bloodless brave prayed her fervent prayers in silence to the fire oblations gave bowed unto the forest brahmans to the parents kind and good joined her hands in salutation 
and in reverent silence stood. With the usual morning blessing, with amazed down ever be, anchorites and aged Brahmins blessed Sabitri fervently. Oh, that blessing fell upon her like the rain on thirsty air, struggling hope inspired her bosom as she drank those accents fair. But returned the dark remembrance of the Rishi Narad's word, pale she watched the creeping sunbeams mused upon her fated lord. Daughter, now thy fast is over, so the loving parents said, Take thy diet after penance, for thy morning prayers are prayed. Pardon, father, said Savitri, let this other day be done. Unshed teardrops filled her eyelids, glistened in the morning sun. Young Satyaban, tall and stately, ponderous eggs on shoulder hang, for the distant darksome jungle issued forth serene and strong. But unto him came Savitri, and in sweetest accents prayed, as upon his manly bosom, gently, she her forehead laid. Long I wished to see the jungle, where steals not the solar ray. Take me to the darksome forest, husband, let me go to-day. Come not, love, he sweetly answered with a loving husband's care. Thou art all unused to labor, forest paths thou mayst not dare. And with recent fast and vessels, pale and bloodless is thy face, and thy steps are weak and feeble, jungle paths thou mayst not trace. Fasts and vessels make me stronger, said the wife with wifely pride. Toil I shall not feel, nor languor when my lord is by my side. For I feel a woman's longing with my lord to trace the way. Grant me, husband ever gracious, with thee let me go to-day. Answered then the loving husband, as his hands in hers he wove, Ask permission from my parents in the trackless woods to rove. Then Sabitri to the monarch, urged her longing strange request, After duteous salutation does her humble prayer address. To the jungle goes my husband, fuel and the fruit to seek, I would follow, if my mother and my loving father speak. Twelve months from this narrow ashram, had Sabitri stepped nor strayed, in this cottage true and faithful, ever had Sabitri stayed. For the sacrificial field whence my lord his lonesome way, please, my kind and loving parents, I would follow him to-day. Never since her wedding morning, so the loving king replied, wish your thought Sabitri whispered, for a boon or object shied. Daughter, thy request is granted, safely in the forest roam, safely with thy lord and husband, seek again thy cottage home. Bowing to her loving parents, did the fair Sabitri part, smile upon her pallid features, anguish in her inmost heart. Round her sylvan greenwoods blossomed beneath a cloudless Indian sky. Flocks of peafowls, gorgeous plumaged, flew before her wandering eye. Woodland reels and crystal nalas gently rolled over rocky bed. Flower-decked hills in dewy brightness towering glittered overhead. Birds of song and beauteous feeder trilled a note in every grove. Sweeter accents fell upon her from her husband's lips of love. Still with thoughtful eye, Savitri watched her dear and faded lord. Flail of grief was in her bosom, but her pale lips shaped no word. And she listened to her husband, still on Ancia's thought intent, cleft into her throbbing bosom, as in silence 
still she went. Kaylee with the gathered wild fruits did the prince's basket fill, hewed the interlaced branches with his might and practised skill, till the drop stood on his forehead, weary was his aching head, faint he came unto savagery, and in faltering accents said, Cruel ache is on my forehead, fond and ever faithful wife, and I feel a hundred needles pierce me and torment my life. And my feeble footsteps falter, and my senses seem to reel. Fain would I beside thee linger, for a sleep doth over me steal. With a wild and speechless terror, pale Sabitri held her lord. On her lap his head she rested, as she laid him on the sword. Narad's fatal words remembered, as she watched her husband's head, burning lip and pallid forehead, and the dark and creeping shade. Clasped him in her bathing bosom, kissed his lips with panting breath, darker grew the lonesome forest, and he slept the sleep of death. 5. Triumph over Fate In the bosom of the shadows, rose a vision dark and red, shape of gloom in inky garment, and the crown was on his head. Gleaming form of sable splendor, blood-red was his sparkling eye, and the fatal news he carried, grim and godlike, dark and high. And he stood in solemn silence, looked in silence on the dead, and Sabitri on the greensward gently placed her husband's head. And a tremor shook Sabitri, but a woman's love is strong, with her hands upon her bosom, thus she spake with quivering tongue. More than mortal is thy glory, and the radiant God that thou be. Tell me what bright name thou bearest, and thy message unto me. Know me, thus responded Yama, mighty monarch of the dead, mortals living earthly mansion to my darksome realms are led. Since with woman's full affection, thou hast loved thy husband dear, Hence before thee, faithful woman, Yama doth in form appear. But his days and loves are ended, and he leaves his faithful wife. In this news I bind and carry, spark of his immortal life. Virtue graced his life and action, spotless was his princely heart. Hence for him I came in person, princess, let thy husband part. Yama from Saitevan's body, pale and bloodless, cold and dumb. Drew the vital spark, Purusha, smaller than the human thumb. In his noose the spark he fastened, silent went his darksome way, left the body shorn of lustre to its rigid cold decay. Southward went the dark-hued Yama, with the youth's immortal life, and, for woman's love abided, followed still the faithful wife. Turn, Savitri, outspeak Yama, for thy husband loved and lost, do the rights due unto mortals, by their fate predestined crossed. For thy wifely duty ceases, follow not in fruitless woe, and no farther living creature may with monarch Yama go. But I may not choose but follow where thou takest my husband's life, for eternal law divides not loving man and faithful wife. For my love and my affection, for a woman's sacred woe, grant me in thy godlike mercy, Farther still with him I go. Fourfold are human duties, first to study holy lore, then to live as good householders, feed the hungry at our door. 
tend to pass our days in penance, lust to fix our thoughts above, but the final goal of virtue, it is truth and deathless love. True and holy are thy precepts, listening, Yama made reply, and they fill my heart with gladness and with pious purpose high. I will bless thee, fair Sabitri, but the dead come not to life. Ask for other boon and blessing, faithful, true, and virtuous wife. Since you so permit me, Yama, so the good Sabitri said, for my husband's banished father, let my dearest suit be made. Sightless in the darksome forest dwells the monarch faint and weak. Grant him sight and grant him vigor, Yama, in thy mercy speak. Tutia's daughter, Yama answered, Be thy pious wishes given, And his eyes shall be restored To the cheerful light of heaven. Turn, Savitri, faint and weary, Follow not in fruitless woe, And no further living creature May with monarch Yama go. Faint nor weary is Savitri, So the noble princess said, Since she waits upon her husband, Gracious monarch of the dead. What befalls the wedded husband, still befalls the faithful wife, where he leads she ever follows, be it death or be it life. And our sacred reed ordain it, and our pious rishis sing, transient meeting with the holy, doth its countless blessings bring. Longer friendship with the holy purifies the mortal bard, lasting union with the holy is the bright sky on the earth. Union with the pure and holy is immortal heavenly life, for eternal law divides not loving man and faithful wife. Blessed are thy words, said Yama, blessed is thy pious thought, with a higher purer wisdom are thy holy lessons fraught. I would bless thee, fair Savitri, but the dead come not to life, ask for other boon and blessing, faithful, true, and virtuous wife. Since you so permit me, Yama, so the good Savitri said, Once more for my husband's father Be my supplication made. Lost his kingdom, In the forest dwells the monarch Faint and weak. Grant him back his wealth and kingdom, Yama, In thy mercy speak. Loving daughter, Yama answered, Wealth and kingdom I bestow. Turn, Savitri, Living mortal may not with King Yama go. Still, Savitri, meek and faithful, followed her departed lord. Yama's tale, with higher wisdom, listened to her saintly word. And the sable king was vanquished, and he turned on her again, and his words fell on Savitri like the cooling summer rain. Noble woman, speak thy wishes, name thy boon and purpose high, what the pious mortal asketh, gods in heaven may not deny. Thou hast, so Savitri answered, granted father's realm and might, to his vain and sightless eyeballs, hast restored their blessed sight. Grant him that the line of monarchs may not all untimely end, that his kingdom to Saitivans and Savitri's sons descend. Have thy object, answered Yama, and thy lord shall live again, he shall live to be a father, and your children too shall reign. For a woman's trot abideth longer than the flitting breath, and a woman's love abideth higher than the doom of death. 6. 
return home. Vanished then the sable monarch, and savagery held her way, where in dense and darksome forest still her husband lifeless lay. And she sat upon the greensward by the cold unconscious dead, on her lap with deeper kindness placed her consort's lifeless head. And that touch of true affection thrilled him back to waking life, as returned from distant regions gazed the prince upon his wife. Have I lain too long and slumbered, sweet savitry, faithful spouse, but I dreamed a sable person in a noose took forth my life. Pillowed on his lap, she answered, long upon the art he lay, and the sable person, husband, he had come and passed away. Rise, and leave this darksome forest, if thou feelest light and strong, for the night is on the jungle, and our way is dark and long. Rising as from happy slumber, looked the young prince on all round, saw the wide-extending jungle mantling all the darksome ground. Yes, he said, I now remember, ever-loving faithful dame, we in source of fruit and fuel to this lonesome forest came. As I hewed the gnarled branches, cruel anguish filled my brain, and I laid me on the greensward with a throbbing, piercing pain. Pillowed on thy gentle bosom, solaced by thy gentle love, I was soothed, and drowsy slumber fell on me from skies above. All was dark, and then I witnessed, was it but a flitting dream? God our vision, dark and dreadful, in the deepening shadows gleam. Was this dream my fair savitry, dost thou of this vision know? Tell me, for before my eyesight, still the vision seems to grow. Darkness thickens, said savitry, and the evening waxeth late. When the morrow's light returneth, I shall all these scenes narrate. Now arise, for darkness gathers, deeper grows the gloomy night, and thy loving anxious parents, trembling, wait thy welcome sight. Hark the rangers of the forest, how their voices strike the ear, prowlers of the darksome jungle, how they fill my breast with fear. Forest fire is raising yonder, for I see a distant gleam and the rising evening breezes help the red and radiant beam. Let me fetch a burning faggot, and prepare a friendly light, with these fallen withered branches chase the shadows of the night. And if evil steal thy footsteps, long and weary is our way, by the fire repose my husband, and return by light of day. For my parents, fondly anxious, said Thevan does made reply, Paints my heart and yearns my bosom, Lead us to their cottage high. When I tarried in the jungle, Or by day or dewy eve, Searching in the hermitages, Often did my parents grieve. And with father's soft reproaches, And with mother's loving fears, Chide me for my tardy footsteps, Dewed me with their gentle tears. Think then of my father's sorrow, Of my mother's woeful plight, If afar in wood and jungle, Pass we now the livelong night. Wife beloved, I may not fathom what mishap or load of care, Unknown dangers, unknown sorrows, even now my parents share. Gentle drops of filial sorrow trickle down his manly eye, Pawn savagery, sweetly speaking, softly wipe the teardrops dry. Trust me, husband, 
if Savitri hath been faithful in her love, if she hath with pious offerings served the righteous gods above, if she hath his sister's kindness unto brother man performed, if she had in speech and action unto holy truth conformed, unknown blessings, mighty gladness, trust the ever faithful wife, and not sorrows or disasters wait deceive our parents' life. Then she rose and tied her tresses, gently helped her lord to rise, walked with him the pathless jangle, looked with love into his eyes. On her neck, his clasping left arm sweetly winds in soft embrace. Round his waist, Savitri's right arm doth sweetly interlace. Thus they walked the darksome jungle, silent stars looked from above, and the host and throbbing midnight watched Savitri's deathless love. End of Book 5